Hello, this is Nilla Varman and you're listening to The Nilla Extract, the official show where I talk about pressing issues such as body acceptance, mental health, climate change, race and so much more, with some pretty cool music and some pretty cool guests too. Hello, my name is Nilla Varman and welcome back to The Nilla Extract. Thank you so much for being here. It's good to it's good to see you. <laughs> it is absolutely freezing outside. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm currently just wrapped in like seven layers of clothing. I'm usually like one of those people who's like, oh, I don't really feel the cold, you know, I'm just gonna wear shorts in the winter because that's just who I am. Um, but I don't know, just recently, it's just the cold. It's been creeping underneath my skin and getting into my butt and I feel it everywhere. I feel it everywhere and I can't feel my fingers. (laughs) Let me know how it is where you are. I know where my parents is, it's like 30 degrees at the moment, so good for them. Sunny Christmas. Um, For me, it's minus six. I'm currently very confused because it's very, very sunny outside and yet the whole house is absolutely freezing. So yeah, someone explain that to me because I I don't understand. Now it's a rather short introduction for me today because we've got a wonderful guest on the show today and I'm really really excited to introduce you to her because I had this conversation with her and I was literally I was telling her I was like I'm so entranced like I can't actually reply like when she's talking I listen so much that I forget that I'm meant to talk um so that was fun um but tonight on the Nilla Extract we have the wonderful Amber Monet, who is one of the first certified menstrual cycle coaches in the whole world, which is incredible. And Amber is so lovely. She's so good at talking about menstrual health. Like, honestly, I learned so much from her during this chat. And Amber is also a social scientist and a period poverty expert who has dedicated the last few years to educating people on the menstrual cycle. And as you know, period stigma is still something that is so prevalent in so many communities it's so it's such a shame it's such a shame honestly and um, the period poverty associated with that is something that we talk about we talk about misconceptions about menstrual cycle we talk about what else do we talk about we talked about representation of periods and how in advertisements neither of us knew what that blue liquid that is perfectly poured on a pad on tv was you know i i personally um i just thought it was like toothpaste i don't know <laughs> but we talk about everything and um even something i ask her an interesting question about whether periods sync up and you should you should listen to that answer because I thought that was really really cool but all in all it was such a fun conversation I've I've struggled with my menstrual health for some time now like it's always been irregular I've always had issues with it and uh, it's always one of those things where I have to text my mum being like thank god it's arrived or I'm like to my dad like oh my gosh it's coming or like oh why is it not coming like it's just it's um it's one of those things for me which I am now trying to figure out so I can you know better my life around it and kind of see the signs as to what I need to change when I got my period I was 11 years old I was in my grandma's house we were on holiday in India 
and uh, I was in like the bathroom upstairs and my parents had given me like the talk and everything. I knew what periods were, but when it happens, you're just like, what is it, my underwear? So I was really confused also because in Kanjipuram, which is where my mama lives, we don't have toilet paper. We just have this thing, which I called a poo spray, but it's not a poo spray. It's like the spray. I think it's called a bidet. Is it a bidet? I don't think that's what a bidet is. Wait, I'm going to look that up. Seriously, what's it called? Is it called a portable faucet? A pipe? Water? Sprayer? Oh my gosh, I don't know what it is, man. I've just been calling it a poo spray for as long as I can remember. I don't actually know what it's called. And for some reason, my Wi-Fi is taking a lifetime to load what this is. Um, Is it... What is it? <laughs> is it a toilet sprayer? I, th I think it's a bidet. I think it's a bidet. Okay, okay, so it's a jet wash bidet. So anyway, <laughs> back to this story. I'm sorry about that whole crisis right there. Back to the story. We didn't have toilet paper, so I didn't actually know I was on my period. We just had this bidet thing. And uh, I think, like, I just got up and I see, like, drops of blood. And so I call my mum and my aunt comes rushing up. My grandma comes rushing up. And everyone's like really excited and I was like, ah, great, leave me alone. Um, and then suddenly, so my mum isn't very orthodox or anything, you know, she's pretty chill. Um, but my nan is kind of like traditional and she really wanted to give me a period function, like an age attending ceremony. And um, it was intense, guys. It was like the lower end of how intense one usually is for a lot of people. I remember going in the motorway in Chennai and actually seeing like billboards which said like come our daughter has attended age come to our period function and thank god no one did that for me but basically a bunch of people turned up to our house and I had to sit in a chair and change lots of costumes and they did this thing called Nalangu which is basically where they like bless you and they give you gifts the gifts part wasn't too bad if I'm honest but it was just so interesting like I, I I did not expect that <laughs> and so when I went back to school I was just like ah, what do I do now and there are a bunch of traditions that I didn't know like these were not part of the talk and I don't think my mum was planning for this all to happen it was mainly because I think my relatives were like we have to uphold tradition and she was like no and then they were like yes um long story there some drama but yeah I used to be woken up every morning by my party like my, my nan and uh she used to like it was like 4am, she used to pour the spoon of some sort of, I think it's pronounced gingerly, it's called nalayene, down my throat, and this quail egg used to be like cracked into my mouth and I had to swallow it um, for like 10 days to um, uphold my health or whatever. <laughs> it, was a, it was an interesting time, you know, they didn't, definitely didn't put those in the biology biology textbooks that I was reading at the time but basically what I was trying to say is that every culture has you know a different perceived uh a different perception of menstrual cycles and my family's was this one I think my aunts were telling me how they used to sit in actual period huts outside and they weren't allowed to interact but you know I I'm lucky that I come from much more liberal family like my I think someone once told me not to step into the prayer room or whatever my dad just was like 
yeah, no, that's not going to be a thing. Like, she can go wherever she wants. This is not the uh, 19th century. Um, so there is a lot of restrictions. And I, I do appreciate I come from a place of privilege. And again, I really appreciated those gifts, okay? I'm pretty sure I got cake as well. The, the whole evening was a bit of a blur. I was so tired, like... 11 year old child on her period for the first time and then there's just a bunch of people coming up to me like oh my gosh you're a big girl now and I'm just like oh when I go home <laughs> um and my brother was there and he was just sitting in the living room playing Nintendo I think he was just <laughs> not very interested in the whole thing uh but I'd have to ask him about that at some point but thank god did not make a billboard about me like I would have actually like disowned myself <laughs> In other news, period poverty is actually a topic I'm really, really interested in. And we actually spoke to Stephanie, who was a guest on my show like a while ago, and she lives with the Maasai community and makes sustainable sanitary products. And I think that's amazing. I definitely recommend you listen to that episode. Follow her. I think her name on Instagram is like Maasai Story or something like that. She is incredible. And I love that interview. She talks so passionately about the Maasai people and how they perceive periods and how they deal with it and how they've dealt with it and how they are making changes to make um, sanitary products more accessible to people in the communities in Tanzania. And it's such an insightful interview. So I definitely, definitely, definitely recommend it. It is almost Christmas time. It is the 10th of December, which means it's like, mass, come on mass, 15 days till Christmas. And that's not a lot of time. What are you buying for your families this year? Because... I am stumped, like I have to start my Christmas shopping soon and I'm really stumped on what to get. So here I am live at the Nilla Extract on URN where I will try to challenge many socially pressing and relevant issues that aren't really talked about much. And as I'm broadcasting from home, please do excuse any fart noises or crinkles and pops and all that jazz in the background. And as usual, this episode will contain some good music, uncontainable weirdness, and since it's Christmas time, Let's kick things off with a great hit. This is by Ariana Grande. Here is Santa Tell Me. We've got to go to the bathroom, so here's a long song. Santa Tell Me Here next year. 
welcome to the Nilla Extract. Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm actually quite tired, to be honest, just to be honest and frank. But yeah, I'm really glad to be here. So thank you so much. You know what? I can relate to that because we were just talking about how I've just stuffed myself with a very, very early Christmas dinner. And uh, yeah, there, there's just been better days for me personally. I'm in and out of naps at the moment. Can you relate or are you... Well, I also just finished work, but I think sometimes in December, cold weather plus food plus weekend is just that's a recipe for naps. You know, that's that's, yeah. that's nap territory. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, do you think that the weather affects your mood? Because I definitely feel hungrier and sadder and just lazier, more lethargic when I don't have sunlight throughout the day. Do you feel like that or is it? just me what yeah 100% because um and I'm not a scientist on this but I'm but uh I do believe that it's to do with your melatonin and how mm. much when it because it gets dark so quickly um that we start to feel more sleepy I have this theory that actually we should be in hibernation mode right now so I should actually only be active like eight hours of the day and then be sleeping the rest you know but mm. uh, obviously in this 24-hour non-stop society that's not really appropriate for me just to be like finishing work at three to go back to my bed <laughs> oh that would be very ideal you know I would love to go to bed at three and then just wake up the next day uh, but unfortunately as you said hustle culture and 24-hour <laughs> days are real um but yeah I mean for those who don't know you you are one of the first certified menstrual cycle coaches in the world which is crazy cool and I'm just really honoured to have you on the show because just as I was saying, I love to talk about issues and topics surrounding menstruation and period poverty. And I just haven't had someone to talk to about it. So I'm really, really glad to have you here. Um, how did this all start for you? Where where did this begin? Well, <laughs> um, it's been quite a long journey. Um, so back when I used to live in Sydney, um, I joined some friends um, who had started um, a really small grassroots movement called the Rough Period, who were supporting women sleeping rough with safe and clean sanitary items. Um, and I came on board with them and we decided at this point that like we were getting so much traction um, that we wanted to turn it into a uh, actual nonprofit organization. So I was lucky that I had a degree in business. Um, and so I used everything that I knew about business to incorporate the society um, organization, along with the help of our lawyers as well. Like we got some pro bono law, law, legal work like by some lawyers that we knew. Um, so that was amazing. And I did that for a couple of years, um, trying to like grow this nonprofit and make it like an actual thing. And um, so that was where my sort of um, peri-poverty journey started. Um, but I guess what how I ended up being a menstrual cycle coach was that um, uh, I sort of moved over to London after a few years in 2018. And um, pretty much like people just started knowing me as the period person. And that was kind of just my segue and people always used to come and ask me questions about periods because mm -hmm. like I was obviously did this work with um the rough period and had you know this this charitable work under my belt and um yeah so eventually like it just sort of came to me after having many conversations with friends they were like to me you should just be a period coach and I was like 
that doesn't exist. <laughs> so I actually went home and started Googling it, but nothing was coming up. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask you, I mean, what is a period coach, if you don't mind me asking? Well, a period coach is someone who essentially what we do is we help people to have better periods. That's what I do is um, I educate people about menstrual cycle. I help them to have better periods by helping them through their issues. So someone might come to me for any number of reasons. It might be I have really bad period pain. How does it go away? It could be I just want to learn more about my menstrual cycle. Like uh, they might want to set goals for their health. Um, so someone might come and say, I haven't had a menstrual cycle in a couple of months. How can you help me? And what I do through a series of like coaching is help them to identify what might be causing the issue and then to start making changes in their life. So if someone comes to me and says, um, you know, they haven't had a menstrual cycle in three months, um, I would then learn, try and learn everything I can about their cycle and help them to then navigate to bring that cycle back and mm -hmm. that might look like um, making diet and exercise suggestions it might look like um, letting them know what doctor's appointments they need to book and things that they need to ask for um, telling them how the cycle works helping them form and create better lifestyle routines um, because the menstrual cycle is ultimately like it is a full body thing um, and so if one area of my body is out of balance uh, my menstrual cycle will tell me that mm -hmm. that's what's happening in my body um, so my role as a coach is to help people identify what is out of balance and see whether or not we can you know by lifestyle changes and moving into a space of cyclical living we can help them to uh, get back into balance and help things to run normally. Yeah, I absolutely understand what you mean. And I, I love the way that you explained it. I think I've experienced so many issues with my periods ever since I started my periods. It's been an up and down journey and it's been literally tumultuous. Like I've had the worst of times and I've had great times. And then I've had times where I'm just like, why uterus just leave? Um, but when I've gone to doctor's appointments, I've always lacked that connection with my healthcare provider where they can kind of relate and kind of coach me and emotionally reassure me that I'm going to be okay. It's usually just, right, so we're going to put you on these hormones and pills, bam, lose weight, bam, you're eating wrong. And so when I read about your work, it was really refreshing because I know that we need more people who are talking about periods and menstrual cycles. Um, and the impacts of various social factors on them in a non-stigmatized way. So I really appreciate you for what you're doing. Um, personally, I've experienced a lot of stigma surrounding menstrual cycles. I mean, have you experienced that growing up as well? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and aside from one of the many period-related things that I do, I'm also... Uh... Uh, I studied, I just finished my master's in international development, and I guess I could call myself a social scientist. I'm not sure if I've not cool. worked in research yet, but um, yeah, so basically everything I did was around learning about the menstrual cycle, and um, yeah, like taboo and stigma is a really big part of, I would say, most societies. There are some exceptions. Um, people do say that taboo is a universal sort of, and that menstrual stigma is a universal thing. It's actually not, um, but there are places that they they uh, revere menstruation, and they really like women who they. It's a really sacred and spiritual time. But I think for us in Western culture, um, the taboo is is massive, and the stigma is so strong. I mean. I have, I just like, every time I talk about stigma, I think back to my high school years and when you had to like 
good lord if you had your period like when you were at school you know and it was like I need to go change my my tampon or my pad and you know like we got to the point where you didn't even want to take your backpack with you into the bathroom because if you were got up from lunch and took your backpack people knew that you had your period and yeah saying stuff do you know what I mean oh like when I you're at work that. and like we've got to like slip the, I was the gonna say the amount the of methods I have used to shove a pad into my sleeve or in my bra strap Damn. yeah I don't even know why and I don't know if you've experienced this but when I was at school I remember when I I don't know I was at a time where I just used to take my pad out and walk around and I went to an Indian international school for a point in time where I moved away from the UK which was a whole other experience but my teachers would just run up to me like what are you doing and I'm like just going to the toilet to change and they'd be like hide it like what are you doing they're like there's like guys around here and it's just it's so sad that menstrual cycles have been made into this thing that we should for some reason feel shameful about or feel like we're dirty or ugh. <laughs> yeah and it is it is a long-standing taboo where it's actually a very complicated issue like I think it's not as simple as we think to just try and protest to remove stigma because it is very ingrained it is mm. very um, in all types of different ways like even for example um, down to the marketing around sanitary items um, you know and that is part of the reason why the stigma still exists right because if I'm not feeling shame about my body I will not go to the links that I go to to try and like cover it up do you know what I mean like so for yeah. example a tampon in itself is can be very stigmatizing because we like use the product and we are disconnected from our menstrual blood we the tampon is designed for people can move on through life without even noticing that they're having a menstrual cycle and then in 30 seconds we just put it, put it in the bin and put a new one in and move on like all of these things are sort of the way that I see it are all kind of complicit in this menstrual stigma like you sh you need to use a tampon because you can't look at your blood if you like where I grew up in New Zealand like in my school and my, my friends group it's like if we used sanitary pads people would be like oh you're disgusting so mm. we're all trying to be like 15 years old and using tampons and getting contraceptive pills and all of this stuff just to stop the period and being like ha ha I can take my um my contraceptive pill when I don't get my period and you know we're learning this stuff from a really young age yeah I think yeah. I got my period when I was 10 and I feel like the knowledge that I have now is in no way like even a scratch of what I knew when I was 10 and I feel like obviously yes I can't learn everything about my body in one go but there is so many things that I guess were shroud like I hid from myself and community and society and it's just you know, even as you were mentioning about tampons and sanitary pads, a lot of people in the South Asian community don't even let their kids know that tampons exist. Like there's a whole thing about, oh, because you're inserting it and it's penetrative, then it's not okay. And so use pads. I mean, I use pads because I don't know, that's just what I like at the moment. But a lot of people don't have that decision. And a lot of people don't even know that there are alternate alternative ways that they can explore you know to make their menstrual cycle comfortable for them and it's just it's so interesting when I hear stories um from my relatives talking about how they used to sit outside 
when they were on their period or they had a separate hut built for them and they weren't allowed to come out or touch anyone or walk into a prayer room and it's just so confusing to me um yeah yeah. and a lot of those um stigmas that you talked about like some of them are still really really like like predominant today like you know even when you're talking about in cultures where they don't use tampons like there are some cultures that won't even use sanitary pads because like it's like a religious thing like because if the blood touches the underwear Mm -hmm. then like you know that is seen as being impure unclean so there are cult, there are places, there are um, religions and cultures where they'll try and use other things um, instead, you know, to have that halt so the blood doesn't even get anywhere near their clothing. And that was something that I was reading about when I was studying. And um, yeah, like it's just there's so many nuances around the world that there is no one size fits all approach. Um, but you know, it never used to be menstrual hearts actually in some places were actually seen as this amazing place that women would go to all be together, to bleed together, to share knowledge and wisdom, um, you know, and in some places now, like it it is still, I think, you know, you see this in Nepal, like, um, that it's, uh, really seen as, as something really negative, you know, um, because the, the connotations have changed over time, you know, and, um, so it's interesting, like what I think Western society has a lot to uh, say in this matter, you know, in, in sort of perpetuating this shame and stigma. Yeah, I mean, especially in even in Western media, when we were talking about how periods are depicted on screen, I've still not seen an advertisement for menstrual hygiene products that on blue liquid like I thought I would have blue liquid coming out of me when I was younger or I thought it was we like I just don't know what it is and even my cousins or my family friends just think so what is that and I'm just like it's it's very interesting I mean yeah I know yeah. I am like yeah. I'm a real like cl- like ne- like clean freak in some some kinds of way like like and I remember when I used to see those ads for Tampax I'd be like what is that blue liquid <laughs> because I just loved how neatly they poured it on yeah like, it's like, like a line and I was like I want to try this out but where is this blue liquid and yeah like the blue liquid is something I didn't really think about for a long time until this year and I was just like oh my god like that is just another way compounding this this idea of like we can't even see we don't even want to look at the blood society should not be able to see it like you know and it's like so they use a vague blue liquid like yeah and it's poured so perfectly as you're saying it's just like a squiggle and you're like wow it just appears and it's so absorbent and like she's putting it like it's so delicate and And then then she does a backflip and carries on with the day I mean, what's interesting is how you were saying that periods are something that a lot of cultures still value as very sacred and empowering. The reason that I did my master's recently in women and children's health is because I spoke to this community in Tanzania about their experiences with periods. I don't even remember how it came up, but I think we were talking about um, sustainable sanitary pads. And then they were saying how before that they got introduced to them, most of them just were like free they weren't wearing cloths or anything they would just walk around bleeding I guess and I think it was very different to what I thought but at the same time they didn't realize the health implications that that would cause for them especially you know not having access to the same healthcare resources that maybe people in western society have um and so that really encouraged me to 
keep researching about it because I didn't realize that so many cultures have different connotations of menstrual cycles. And we're still in a time where a lot of people fail to understand that not only women have periods, you know, it's anyone with a uterus, it can be any gender. And I think that people are still learning and there's so many misconceptions and misunderstandings. I mean, you were talking about your time in school, how people were, you know, kind of making fun of you if you had your period. Do you think that for you has changed the way that you've processed your own menstrual cycle? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And, um, you know, I got my period at my grandma's house when I was, um, 12. Mm-hmm. And, oh my God. Like I didn't like, you know, all of a sudden I'm like bleeding and I'm like, Oh my God, what do I do? And then, so first of all, you've got your grandma trying to tell you like what to do. <laughs> and then I was too scared to tell my mom. And then my grandma told my mom and it became this whole thing. So straight from the get go, it's a bit yeah. like, and then you're compounded by that in school um you know there's all types of shame and 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 um and stigma like and teasing and bullying and all that kind of stuff you know even down to like you know you can't even have the like supermarket brand or the no-name brand tampons because if you do you're an absolute loser and like you know there are so many facets around it and I think for a very long time it really made me not like my cycle you know what I mean I wasn't someone who woke up and I was just like yes the menstrual cycle this is amazing I felt shame around it for years and years and years and um, even when I was doing the work um, and had this, you know, we were doing this nonprofit work, like I still felt like I'm, I'm giving this sanitary item to these women and I'm like pro period, but I still felt so much shame. I still had a contraceptive arm stick in like the implanon that was uh, preventing me from getting my period. Like, but mm. I was like, you know, it's really struggling with PMS and there was all types of things. Like there was just so much shame around even wanting to approach health for my period because I was like well who do I ask what do I do the doctors have only given me this thing in my arm the thing in my arm is not working anymore so what do I do you know and that you know you have no idea where to go with this stuff and so you just kind of internalize that you shouldn't be able to ask for help or you shouldn't ask for help and no one else seems to be complaining no one else needs to see a doctor um for this you know and it's only been through making those conscious choices to remove my hormonal contraceptive, to focus on my menstrual cycle, health and mm-hmm. wellness. Um, and then obviously continue to pro- promote menstrual cycle health and awareness that like, do I really feel now I am empowered like with my body? Um, and I know a lot of strong women and a lot of strong people who are still really hampered by their period you know they still feel that same shame and stigma and they still want to talk about it um even when they are you know you know seemingly feminist warriors you know yeah absolutely I think I'm at a stage personally where it's taken me a long time to even start talking about my periods comfortably even with friends I thought it was embarrassing that I have irregularities in my cycle and that I was struggling or I would be getting treatment or going to appointments because I'd not get my period for months at a time because I didn't realize that how much my you know day-to-day activities like you were saying diet and exercise were affecting that or me taking you know just being put on the contraceptive pill just because I had a couple of irregular cycles that impacted a lot and I didn't 
realize I thought it was really embarrassing and so when my friends would be like I'm oh I'm on my period or whatever I just wouldn't even disclose I wouldn't I just sit there kind of like oh shrink yeah, exactly said period yeah <laughs> I, I, I it's so shocking because like I can't even imagine myself like that now you know I, yeah. I love talking about periods I'm like I, I when I uh, you know about five six years ago I wouldn't have even spoken about it to my dad or my brother but now I don't even care you know if I if I'm on my period I tell them or I ask them questions and they ask me questions and I appreciate that I have that relationship with them but it has taken such a long time and I think a lot of people around me even in the South Asian community and in other marginalized communities they still feel so much shame even now when we're having you know improved representation I wouldn't say better and amazing but it is getting somewhere uh, do you think that you know the representation of periods and everything is better or would you say that we have a long way to go oh we've got a long way to go mm. <laughs> but <laughs> what I know but like what Thought I'm so. seeing it is large change it, like since I started like since I stepped into the space like like a lot more change um mm. is coming along and it's in areas where you wouldn't necessarily think to see it so I think one of the most notable things we can talk about is the fact that people are actually putting um it, it, a lot of organizations are looking at policies like menopause leave mm. um do you know what I mean where previously it was like that was not even non-existent like you couldn't even get um you know the right sort of there was a lot of companies didn't even include leave for people who had had miscarriages you know what yeah, I mean and yeah absolutely they're actually sitting down and talking about menopause leave which in itself is good but again like menopause leave only targets one small percentage of the population you know and it is people who are coming out of menstruation not people who are actually in menstruation which we menstruate for what like uh 40 30 to 40 years do you know what I mean and like if I'm in employment for a huge portion of that like well why is there no policies there to support me for that you know, mm -hmm. um, but why only when I'm coming out of this, when I'm sort of moving also towards the end of people are moving not towards the end of their career, but they are late stage career professionals. Um, we're seeing it in sport. People are now bringing attention to menstruation in sport and, you know, saying about women and the different phases of the cycle and how that actually is going to impact their performance, which is huge because that wasn't talked about before. And if you think about the burden, well, not the burden, but like the intense pressure that is put onto professional athletes mm -hmm. um, and how hard they have to work and how much stress that adds to the body, you know, like it is naturally, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's good that we are now being inquisitive around well what does it look like through the different phases of the cycle you know what does it mean for a sports person to bleed um you know and so I think in some ways you know you know I think the tampon tax was a really good example of how <clears throat> collective action is really working to change um the way that we are looking at periods and and menstruation and and cycles and all of that stuff because you know not every country got rid of the tampon tax but there was a mm. call around the world to get rid of the tampon tax you yeah. know and um you're seeing places now giving out free sanitary items i was gonna say scotland. i think isn't scotland like don't they yeah. have free sanitary items given out now like yeah, why is scotland. that not a thing everywhere well, Even because and maybe <laughs> Oh, sorry, go on. No, 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 that's fine. But like, I why? Why isn't it everywhere? Like, I, 
sanitary things they're so expensive (laughs) they're so expensive like I could buy three packs of pads and that would cost me a week's worth of shopping sometimes it depending on which one suits me like it's ridiculous totally and that's because (laughs) sanitation the sanitation industry is a multi-billion dollar industry so why would they want to take money away from that why would any man who's making that money be like oh actually we feel really sorry for you so like you can have it for free can you imagine it's a structural issue and that's where governments need to come in and actually say no well we're gonna we're gonna subsidize this and this should be free for you you know um here at this place or you know um and so that's the problem you know is that there is money to be made and people don't want to lose that yeah. um, and how do you regulate it you know and they also because that's the thing and this is why the tampon tax existed was because for the longest time sanitary pads and items were classed as luxury goods so they're like well we're going to put tax on it yeah. and I remember when I was living in Australia you know um, sunscreen nicotine patches condoms um, lubricant all of these things were tax-free uh, were GST free because they're considered to be disease preventative. What? Right? And yet they would put a 10% tax on sanitary what? items. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. And, and you're like, well, why? Because all of those other things that I mentioned, smoking, sex, going out in the sun, like all of that stuff is a choice. I don't have a choice about my period. I do not have a choice to bleed. But why am I the one paying an additional 10%? you know, just because of the anatomy of my body. And this was a lot of uh, the argument for a lot of people, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, why just because of the way that we're made up, like, you know, is this happening? Yeah, I actually, I didn't know about that, actually. I haven't had a look at the tampon tax as much, but that's insane. Like, <sighs> I mean, <laughs> I just found it so I don't know if it's the kilo of potatoes I've eaten or just patriarchy, but that was I just think it's patriarchy. <laughs> yeah. It could also be the potatoes. Could be the potatoes. Yeah. But Amber, I've loved talking to you so far and I'm excited to delve into this further after the break. But in the meantime, do you happen to have a song that you'd like to play? I do have a song. Ooh, I do have a song. Tell us. Oh, I like now I feel like I need to go into my Spotify. So a song at the moment. <laughs> That's okay. I want to get, get the, the name right. So a song at the moment uh, that I've really been vibing is um by Janae Aiko, uh, mm-hmm. Trigger Protection Mantra. And um yeah, it's it's a goodie and I think this really encapsulates it's very slow, it's very um it's just really about coming into that feminine energy. It's about protecting our energy. And I think whilst we're on the topic of this conversation, it really does feel like, you know, while we're trying to exist in this world of, of, of patriarchy, as we notice these, these shifts that we're moving through into um, new modes of being, that this is something that for me is really important. So I hope everyone likes it. It's a very, um, it's a nice, mellow low-key song i love that well here is trigger protection mantra and i'll see you after the break here's another song and we're back with the lovely amber and we were just talking about Grey's anatomy and modern family if you haven't watched these shows watch them uh if you have watched all of Grey's anatomy and are up to date i'm very impressed (laughs) same (laughs) yeah as we were just saying, we kind of chickened out in the earlier seasons and never looked back. But, um, you know, much respect to you if you're still watching. I don't know. Is there another season coming out of Grey's Anatomy? I have no idea. Like, I'm up to season nine. Like, I, <laughs> I'm i sure there's like to... 30 seasons at this point. 
It's too many. I'm just almost like, what have I got myself into, you know? They are going through that woman's whole medical career. Like, it's just going to keep going. I think they transitioned well, but one one reflection that I have, oh, but you know what? I actually caught them out on Grace the other day using incorrect anatomy, which (gasps) also is, again, a very much a reflection of what we were talking about, where you had, like, Dr. Bailey, and there was another doctor and one of the new interns, and they were looking at this woman. She had come in, and she had tried to, like, spice up her sex life with her husband, who she'd been with for, like, 40-plus years, and she got a stripper pole, but then she fell off, and she fell on him, and anyway, she, like, did some bedazzling um, of her downstairs area and they said oh they said you've bedazzled your vagina but incorrect the correct term that they needed to be <gasps> saying was she had been bedazzling her vulva because obviously the vagina is your like inside and the vulva is the exterior and so mm. they were talking about that and I was like that is incorrect anatomy coming from those doctors <laughs> so the show writers ooh, have got ooh, what we yeah great night me show writers if you're listening to this i hope your information is correct nowadays because amber is watching you exactly (laughs) i've always wondered like my dad is a doctor and he hates watching gross anatomy because when he leaves work he very much likes to keep work at work keeps home separate and i completely appreciate that but at the same time my mum loves doctor shows and so i've always wondered like when he's watching these shows does he just go yeah this is this is stupid like this never happens like i should ask him about that at some point i feel like it you know yeah you should it'd be super interesting because i think some of the medical stuff is so like whoa you know how are they even repeating all of this like they could almost be doctors themselves by now Mm. but then like i think it's sort of offset by the amount of sex and drama that happens amongst you know like just children just like, popping up everywhere. Hospital, I would hate to know how many doctors are having sex in the little closet. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, this is not. Yeah, like, well, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm impressed. Maybe I'm like, maybe I'm thinking like, get it where you can. Well, let's squeeze in the time. <laughs> just don't let people die. <laughs> yeah, that, that's also yeah, that's true. Like, don't miss your surgery. Mm. Yeah, no. <laughs> Fair now, speaking of misrepresentations, I was gonna ask you if you had. Let's choose a random number. Four. Four misconceptions that you have heard about periods. Yes. <laughs> How many? Uh, yes. Right, I, I think I'm many. Okay, I can give you four. Um, so four misconceptions is um, the first one, top of the list, that period pain is normal. Um, I think so that was one of the biggest misconceptions that we know of today about period health um, because pain isn't normal. And, you know, pain is your body telling you that something is out of balance. Um, and I think it's really important for people to know that and for people to, when they, we go to our doctors, to actually say, you know, well, I want more tests done. I want this thing looked at. I want, you know, to be able to have the language to say, no, that's actually not good enough. Um, period pain is not normal. And um, some discomfort, maybe, but like chronic period pain should not be a thing. So that's my number one misconception. Mm. Um, Strong start. <laughs> number two, number two. Um, what is my number two? Periods are going to come in all different varieties. Like there is no, I think there is no sort of um, way that your menstrual blood can look. Like obviously there are signs of ill health 
uh, within your period blood. So for example, if you have really large blood clots, um, if your period blood is, you know, colors like orange or purple, or these things actually happen or Whoa. light pink. Um, but, you know, we are told that, well, essentially what we're told is that our period should look like blue liquid, um, but that's, that's not true. true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, you know, like uh, anywhere from, like bright red to dark brown to black like all this color spectrum is actually it's just quite normal mm. you know um so if you're someone who might have like you know your period might start off really red and then go brown that's absolutely fine you know um and like i said there are warning signs of of things that we can look at for ill health but essentially sure. like you know i think that's another thing um three um the i think one of the biggest misconceptions is that periods are gross and dirty um i feel like maybe that should have been number one <laughs> it's okay they're not in order of priority they're not in order they're not in no order. no exactly um this idea that periods are gross and dirty is one of the biggest misconceptions i think we have today that still has continued to be perpetuated not only by uh, men and boys but also by women like we are just as complicit in upholding this stigma and uh, taboo as any of the people that instated it in the first place agreed um, by the lie you know we buy into that story um, and all the systems that we exist in has bought into that story the school system like the uh, religious systems like all of that stuff like everyone's buying into it like no one wants to talk about it um, and I think the fourth um misconception is periods aren't sexy i think periods are sexy as hell i think it is um amazing for anyone to be empowered by their body their cycle um their period no matter their gender um what have you i think uh the more that we know the better we will um feel autonomy in our body feel liberated mm -hmm. by our bodies and i think that is one of the most sexiest things that we can have um, in the world I love that oh my gosh I love that last one I've not heard anyone say it quite that way and I don't I think yeah I, I I love that this is this is one I had to ask you actually is it true that periods like when you're with a group of friends can they synchronize is this a thing because or is it just sheer coincidence because I I'm very I have two very close girlfriends you know and whenever one of us is on our periods like the next day someone gets theirs and then the next day someone gets theirs and we don't know if that's actually a thing or it's just because before we met our cycles were somehow aligned in some way but is that is that real <laughs> um I mean look Science might say that it's not, and I think you can find, like, if you go into Google Scholar, you can find a series of articles trying to disprove this claim. But what I can tell you is what I know and what I have experienced myself is that um, if you look through the history books, um, there's a lot of uh, evidence that shows that women used to cycle with the moon. Um, and in fact, before the Gregorian calendar was existing, this 12 month calendar, we actually had, to, we used to have 13 months because there was 13 moon cycles within every year. Interesting. Right. And um, there was um, basically they, like the, um, the stories go, like the legends tell basically that uh, women used to cycle with the moon because we are cyclical beings we go through a 28-day cycle. Men go through a 24-hour cycle. They wake up one day, they, they go through their day, they reset. Whereas for us, we're going in this kind of crazy cycle that goes along 
with our menstrual cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the menstrual cycle is, yeah, then seen to be synced with the natural cycles of the earth, the moon being one of them. So before we had things like electricity, before we had things that kept us awake all the time, stimulants, caffeine, um, iPhones, technology, all of that stuff that keeps us awake now and disrupts our circadian rhythm, um, we all used to cycle together, basically. And most women used to cycle. They would bleed on the full moon. Sorry, they would bleed on the new moon and ovulate on the full moon. So this is more not so much that we are all together and we are bleeding, but it's that if we are in sync with the earth, Hmm. we're going to all be in sync together. And as cyclical beings, like we, you know, we will, um, because everything is connected. This is the way that I see it. Like everything in this world is connected. Everything is living. Every living organism, like the trees, the plants, the earth, the animals, the water, all of that stuff, the rocks, everything is living. And so when we are in that, we are in this sort of space of conscious connection. So it makes sense that if I am with you and we are spending time together and we are connected, that our bodies will start doing the same thing. Bro, that's so cool. (laughs) And like, I'll tell you, okay, and this is the one thing, like this is my own personal experience. Um, So I had been living in the UK for a couple of years and then in uh, 2021, I had to go back home to New Zealand and I was living with my auntie at the time and then uh, my auntie and my uncle and then I ended up moving into a house where my mom and my grandma are living and my mom was in going into menopause and she said she hadn't had a period in like close to a year Wow! and as soon as I started living with her she got her period again what right yeah and, I, I, and- I get you that's crazy yeah, because she had been living with a woman who was 90 so obviously my grandma's her bleeding days are long gone but then when I came and moved in with her like because I was still bleeding and like you know my feminine essence <laughs> is out there you know and it's strong and I'm very connected to the menstrual cycle my mom started bleeding again so there she was all but like then she wasn't you know and so for me like that does show that if we are living together and we are, we are connected in some ways, you yeah. know, for her, she kind of dipped back out uh, and she sort of maybe is more in a perimenopausal um, state. But I thought, you know, that's my own experience with that. That's so uh, interesting. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> it's just because I've just always mine, sorry, mom. I mean, <laughs> hi, hi, Amber's mom. So if you don't mind, um, but yeah, in my first year of uni, I lived in a flat with eight girls and we'd like all get our periods in kind of like the same few weeks of each other and so we'd all just be crying and watching a sad movie together and it was actually so empowering like we all just had heat packs ready be like oh do you have the other one and like yeah it's ready for you already or whatever like it was just so interesting and we we could not believe that Uh, we thought we were being silly and being like yeah surely not this is this is a lie but more the more and more that I'm with more people who do have periods the more and more I feel more connected to them depending on like what we talk about and how we go about our day-to-day life it's very very interesting yeah yeah and actually what you're saying about that with um 
having that group of friends, like what I hear in that is like, you know, that's a menstrual community. That's a community, that's a safe space where you can all go and be together and bleed without having, you know, and creating that. Um, that's that's the power. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the stuff that they used to have. Like I was telling you about how back mm. in the day that menstrual huts were seen as like this this place to go for women and girls to to bleed and be together and have that community. And the community is what we lack today. We're yeah. just kind of like out there on our own trying to figure things out, like figuring out how we even feel about menstruation in the first place. You know, so when we come together and we have that space of like, yeah, let's sit around and watch movies and like pass the Kleenex around. Absolutely. Like everyone was just so understanding of each other and it just felt so comfortable. And as I was saying, like, because I had so much shame associated, it wasn't even because of my family enforcing it. It was just my own internalized shame from, I don't know what, you know, it might be social cues and school and teachers and whatever, and just life in general. But it's the first time I really just felt okay, just being on my period, just be like, yeah, I kind of want to lie on the floor right now because it feels better than lying on the bed and I'm just going to do it. (laughs) It just, it felt good. (laughs) And no one judged me and it just felt good because then my friends are like, do you know what? I'm going to try that too. So it was just that kind of a thing. But Thank you for answering my question. I just always wanted to ask someone that and you just seemed like the best person to ask. <laughs> now, Amber, it has been a pleasure talking to you. I have actually learned so much from you and I would love to have you back on the show again to talk for another 6,000 hours. But unfortunately, you have time constraints. <laughs> so unfortunately, I will have to say goodbye to you for now. But thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing your experiences I really really appreciated it oh thank you I um I really appreciate it like I love you know having conversation with you and hearing your insights and being able to share mine so um, I'll definitely come back for a second installment oh you um, have to we're bonded by modern family now you you cannot escape yeah, anymore. Grace Anatomy. like we'd be doing Grace <laughs> a disservice if we weren't um talking about it. oh yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> thank you Amber I'll see you soon Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Vanilla Extract. You can find this episode anytime you want on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and all your major podcast streaming websites. You can find these in the link in my Instagram bio at Vanilla Extract. And you can just Google them too if you wanted to. A massive thank you to our wonderful guest who came onto the show today. I hope you learned something because I certainly did. And thank you to Rob for the name of today's episode. Have a nice week.